Join us for this episode of Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hi everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number 71. All about bluebirds, and I'm pleased to say we're saying your backyard buddies. How cool is that? You actually can have bluebirds as your backyard buddies. That's so awesome. You know, we always hear about the bluebird of happiness. I want that kind of happiness in my backyard and call them my buddies. That's for sure. So today we're going to talk about some of those expert tips to help you do that. But also, you know, uh, why why are they your backyard buddies if you weren't quite sure? Yeah, we've got a, we've got a couple of secret attracting scenarios that are sure to really help you out if those bluebirds are anywhere near your yard. (laughs) Can't attract them if they're not around, right? (laughs) Well, it's kind of hard to do. Kind of hard to do, but yeah, yeah. So stick around for the fun, everyone. All right, Brian. Bluebirds, how cool is that? Truly, how cool is that? One of our favorite birds of all time and one of the most successful stories in the backyard bird feeding yeah. realm in the last few you know eh, last few maybe last decade or so uh you know wasn't that many years ago i'm i'm old enough to remember back in the the 70s where finding a bluebird anywhere much less your mm-hmm. backyard uh was a huge success to find a bluebird you know because they were that rare and they were that uncommon so to to sit here for you and I to be talking about having them in our backyards oh, yeah. is, is truly one of the success stories of, of uh, conservation and, and backyard bird feeding. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, to be able to say, bluebirds, your backyard buddies, mm-hmm. like you said decades ago, wow, a backyard buddy. I had to go out into the field somewhere to go find yeah. them and chase them down. But there, it's so amazing, as you said, such a success story of so many people over the last few decades, and in fact, back to the, that 60s and 70s, when people were like, okay, this is really hard to find them. What do we need to do? And having that success story of more and more people helping to create the right kind of habitat. And then one of those big things was nest boxes, places where they can raise a family to, to keep that species going. And that has been huge. And all sorts, if you've ever heard of bluebird trails, and all the right, bluebird trails right. that were created and managed was, by people. Yeah, there was even a transcontinental bluebird trail. I mean, literally people banded together to create a bluebird trail that went all the way across the country. So that's pretty wild oh, when yeah. you think about it. Well, and, and you look at, okay, so we have our eastern bluebird, obviously, on the eastern part of North America. And then the western <laughs> bluebird, same thing. But then yeah. you got the mountain bluebird. Okay, you yeah. know, they're just, you, you get mountains and elevation, that's where you're going to find those mountain bluebirds. Uh, mostly in the western <laughs> part of the North America. <laughs> but that's cool, that transcontinental bluebird trail helping yeah. out all the bluebirds. Uh, and really such an amazing success story. And bluebirds, they just always seem to bring a smile. Yeah. They're just so cheerful and happy. Yeah, well, you know, and, and what is it about that? I mean, what, why... Why are, and I really think they're kind of in their own category. Why is it that bluebirds have that impact on people? Uh, you know, it's just not, I can't, I mean, we all get excited about, you know, having a pileated, and we get excited. We, we love our cardinals, you know, they're beautiful and they're gorgeous and they have beautiful song and, and, you know, but what is it about bluebirds mm-hmm. that, 
that really make them one of the top most appreciated birds to have in our lives every single day and and i I recently wrote an article about that and it's just like you know there's so many different aspects of of how they look how they sound how they behave that really just endear them to us and it's just again they're in a category to me all by themselves oh yeah just kind of that gentle demeanor they have Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. i love it you know you you see them when you have more than a couple and so that could be the family groups being together and, you know, mid to late summer all the way through the winter where maybe a few family groups come together and they're all together. And they, they just normally they seem to be so polite and take turns at the feeders where they're yeah. all bunched up on a if you get bluebirds in the winter and you have the opportunity to watch. They'll all just sit next to each other, sometimes just shoulder to shoulder and huddled up. And they're like, yeah, we're just hanging out. Yeah, <laughs> just, it, 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 just no, relaxing. You just don't see many other birds that are that communal, if you will, that, that get right. along. I mean, in the wintertime, you know, my experience at my house over the years is my wintertime level of uh, bluebirds anymore is just unbelievable. I'll have, you know, a dozen and a half, maybe even two dozen bluebirds through the course of the day coming into my feeders. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll see four or five of them on the feeder right next to each other feeding at the same time. And they're not yeah. squabbling. They're not trying to push each other off. They're literally letting each other feed on the food in the feeder, which is just, you just don't see that that often. So right. pretty remarkable. Now, <laughs> I right. do have to throw I have to throw a caveat in here. They, their, their gentle demeanor ends at the nest box. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, if you've ever monitored a nest box uh, where, you know, you, you, you have attracted bluebirds and you're monitoring that nest box to make sure they're doing fine. Uh, you are likely to get dive-bombed by a, a very angry bluebird, which is pretty remarkable because they'll come oh, down yeah. and just, they'll just miss you. They'll just come right down just. over the top of, the, of your head. <laughs> and when you look at them and stare at them when they're coming, they have the most you know mean look on their face, if you will. It's not really. I mean, I'm being anthropomorphic here, but they're serious. <laughs> they're oh, they're yeah. going to defend that nest box. So that's when the gentle demeanor kind of comes to an end for a few minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> well... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, and you, just to step back to winter for a moment, you know, maybe you don't have bluebirds in winter. And and you know, one of those aspects is if it's generally 20 degrees at night on a regular basis or lower, or maybe I'm thinking negative 20 at night because we get 20 degrees at night and lower and we have bluebirds. Right. But it's on a consistent, uh, I think it's really it's it's the, that consistent basis of 20 degrees or, or lower. There you go. They, and I think you yeah. are absolutely correct consistently because... Yeah. In the Midwest, we're not consistently that low. <laughs> not, not these days. <laughs> Holy moly. Nope. February but, here has been a roller coaster with up and down yeah. temperatures. Man. But like you said with nesting, once you get to that springtime, um, like is where we are now, and, and bluebirds are starting to talk more, do a little bit more of that song, and just that happy, musical, cheer, cheerful, yeah. cheer, cheerful yeah. charmer. Kind of yeah. like they, I always love to hear, it's like they have marbles in their mouth while they're trying to, to whistle. <laughs> it's it's just, when, when you really try to listen to that, it's almost comical. But if you just relax and listen to it, it's just so nice and musical and lovely. Uh, and I like, I love the Western Bluebird. Um, it's slightly different than the Eastern. The Eastern is doing that cheer, cheerful charmer, cheer, uh-huh, cheerly. Uh-huh. Where that western is, it usually separates all, all that and just kind of does that cheer, cheerful. Yeah, yeah. Cheer. Yeah. Cheerful. 
yeah, it is so special to be able to walk out of the house and hear that. You know, as soon as I walk out the door, you, you start hearing that little <laughs> marble mouth bird, if you will. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it but always it's brings just, a smile. Yeah, you know, back back in the uh, the '80s, I worked at a state park here in Indiana, northern Indiana, and ran a '76 box bluebird trail. Wow, and that's I, a lot yeah, of boxes. It was a lot of boxes, and uh, and I monitored. I was very diligent. I monitored those boxes, and every week I'd walk around the entire park. And it was like you know, just under four thousand acres. I had them spread all over the park. And I'd walk around and I'd monitor those boxes. And, you know, that was so neat because when we started out, we had just a few nesting pairs. And, and you know, by the time I left that, I was, I, we were seeing, you know, uh, multiple, multiple nestings. I was actually banding the young before they fledged and was banding like 150 uh, fledged, wow. you know, nestling bird, bluebirds every year. So, yeah, I mean, how special was that? But I never in my wildest dreams truly thought that I would have them in my backyard literally all year long for the most mm-hmm. part i mean it's just like oh my gosh to walk out the door and hear that is just so i i love it i absolutely love it oh showing your age uh, throwing out some <laughs> some of those dates right uh, way back in the day and we didn't yeah have well and now they're in town <laughs> there's no denying that age anymore you know that's right that's right <laughs> oh but th- and they're so beautiful yeah. I mean, they, they, they really get that, that bluebird of happiness, the um, carry the sky on their back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just that whole concept. They get that fairly honestly. When you look yeah. at them, you can really yeah. see that. Yeah. And it really is the, the same process as why our sky is blue in a sense. I mean, because mm-hmm. I'm sure we've mentioned this many a time on the podcast, but you know, for anybody that hasn't listened or is a new listener, Bluebirds actually have no blue pigment. Uh, any of the birds that are in that color range, like an indigo bunting, uh, does not have any blue pigment. Uh, they're gray. If you take a feather and you you hold it out where the sun's reflecting off of it, it's blue. But if you start to write, you know, raise it up to where the sunlight's coming through the feather, it's gray. It actually has melanin in the pigment, uh, kind of a gray or black pigment. And it's the structure of the feather and the, the melanin crystals that cause all of the other spectrum colors, the reds and the greens and the yellows, to basically be absorbed and only the blue is allowed to escape. Our sky does exactly the same thing. The sunlight that comes through, it scatters all the other wavelengths and only allows the blue to come through. So it is the exact, that's that the sky, of, you know, the sky's on their back is exactly right because it really truly is. Yeah, so that is cool. that's amazing that a feather can do yeah. that and act kind of yeah. like a prism and just send just the blue light back out. Yeah, yeah, and just be so brilliantly colored when that and sunlight it, hits boy. it just right. And you see them in the sunshine. It is. It's just remarkable how vivid that coloration is, and to think that's an optical illusion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, but I appreciate it. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't sit there and analyze it when I'm looking at it. I just enjoy it. I just just enjoy the beauty of it. So you know, you've talked about you've got bluebirds coming to your yard now, and multiples. You have you have lots of them year round. Well, except maybe during nesting season when you only have nesting pairs. Right. Right. But. It, what are some of those things that you love to put out 
to make sure that you're attracting them? What kinds of feeders and the right presentation that they really enjoy? Yeah. And that, that yeah, I think the biggest trick, Brian, if I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back a little bit mm-hmm. and before I go into some of those and, and, and obviously you too, uh, but getting them to the feeder sometimes can be a little bit of a, a, a you know time consuming process. Yes. And yes. as you and I have almost every podcast talked about, native plants are a big assist in, in oh, getting huge. those bluebirds to come close to your home. You know, fruit bearing plants that they like uh, will draw them right up to your yard. And, and, and so I years ago ripped out all the you know, ewes and boxwoods and all the non-native stuff and planted a bunch of native plants, including a, a deciduous holly, a winterberry holly, and it gets a bright red berry on it. And they love those things. And they literally, I think those, I don't know for sure. I'm going to speculate that, that berry has to go through a couple of freeze-thaw cycles because they'll stay on for, you know, into the winter. Yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden, all of a sudden in one day, they're gone. <laughs> you know, they, they come in and strip them clean. Uh but the bottom I line have, is, yeah. n- knowing that, because mm-hmm. I tried for years to get the, I knew I could hear them. I knew that I had bluebirds and see them every once in a while. To get them to come to my feeders, I actually clipped off a couple of sprigs of those berries, and I tied them onto my feeder. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, actually. <laughs> and it worked. It absolutely right. worked, and they started coming in. And, and one of the main things, and, and you know, again, one of our favorite things to offer our birds in general, and that's bark butter, and bark butter mm-hmm. bits is is the they just go crazy over those bark butter bits. Yeah. And once you get them on those, you got them. They're going to keep coming back as long as you put that that food out. So mm-hmm. it's definitely one of my favorite ones, and I love using a window feeder. We mm-hmm. have a couple of different types of windowed feeders that we offer. And I, you know, th- just think about it. You're sitting in your living room and you've got a window that you're, you know, able to look at on a regular basis or in your kitchen or in your family room or wherever it might be. And to have bluebirds coming in <laughs> right there at your window. Uh, again, I just had no, I no concept that that would ever happen in my lifetime that I would yeah. see that kind of display of bluebirds. Well, I do similarly with those foods. Something to add to that. Um, bugs and bits. Uh, one of those, it's a bark butter and dried mealworms blend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that at different times of the year, but also live mealworms. I love that, uh, getting into offering live mealworms in a window tray feeder because they're coming right up to my window. And yeah. I just put, yeah. you know, I usually do that spring and summer. Um, and that way I put a handful out each time. I know I've talked about this before where I, yeah. when I take those mealworms and I drop them in, I do that generally in the morning and I make a little whistle call, drop them in, go inside and here come the bluebirds. Cause they got used you to me marble? doing that. Do you put a marble in your mouth? <laughs> I should. <laughs> I should, <laughs> but they love it. They come in and then I get to love watching them. Um, and then they just eat that up and, then they go to the other foods throughout the day, and then we start the process over the next day. It's yeah. just so much fun yeah. with that. Yeah, and you and I, the, both of them, the, the little little discovery, if you will, um, sunflower chips. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is, again, a food that would have never, I mean, these are insect eaters uh, primarily during the breeding season, and they switch to primarily to, to fruits uh, during the wintertime. And... Uh, to, to come to a seed, I yeah. really, again, another one of those things that just in my wildest dreams would have never thought that, that the sunflower, the fine sunflower chips, 
uh, would be something that would attract them. But I tell you what, honestly, in my yard anymore, that is just as big of an attractant to my bluebirds as the bark butter bits. Mm-hmm. They, they, they hit them hard and they hit them all day long. And, uh, you know, they seem to really like them. And if there aren't any, like the, the I've got a little clinging feeder for them uh, with the bark butter uh, chips, uh, the fine chips. But if that's empty. With the sunflower you know, chips or the bark butter bits? I'm sorry, sunflower chips. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the small sunflower chips. And, but if that's empty, they'll actually come to one of my tray feeders or whatever that might have some no mess in it that, that actually has mm-hmm. the larger sunflower chips or whole kernels. And uh, they'll, they'll go to those too. That's so, excellent. Yeah. Well, and you blend a lot of those things we've been talking about. And that's what we developed the nesting super blend for. Yeah. It's got those different ingredients plus calcium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that calcium for nesting time for mom as she's developing eggs so I'd be remiss to not to not mention that because they they go crazy over it. It's got all the well. Right I stuff. think and it is funny because it is a shift when they get into that mm-hmm. breeding nesting mode. You, that food does kind of become the number one food. That that becomes the thing that they're going to the most. So it's yeah. it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Any other foods or feeders before we mention our secret weapon? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny to watch them because they they will eat suet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so sometimes, uh, you know, the, they'll actually hang on my tailprop feeder. They'll grab onto the, the mesh on the tailprop and feed. More often than not, after the woodpeckers have been there and a few little pieces have dropped on top of my baffle that's underneath that feeder, uh, you know, the top of the baffle's flat, and you just get little pieces of suet that the woodpeckers, when they're pounding on the suet cake, you know, knock off and fall down onto that baffle. And they come in and glean all those little pieces of suet off the... Uh, off the top of the baffle too so suet's another thing to have around mm-hmm. for the bluebirds for sure oh yeah and and you talk about you mentioned tray feeding and and that's i love tray feeding and i find for my bluebirds that's a, for mine that's where they generally prefer to go first to check out because they're really comfortable landing on trays yeah and so many of the foods they love are so versatile just to put into tray feeders or cup feeders so, yes. Lots of options that yeah. you can do and yeah. finding the right kinds of foods that you want to be able to put out there, but and the right kinds of feeders you enjoy you enjoy interacting with and then obviously that the bluebirds would enjoy interacting with. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, so again, I think it's it's a kind of a, a closure in a, in a sense and you know getting them to come sometimes takes a while to happen. Mm-hmm. But by using some of these really favored foods and mm-hmm. the right type of feeder you up your odds tremendously and then there's one other little secret weapon <laughs> yeah and that's water you need to have some water and moving water at that yeah yeah bluebirds just love to take drinks and they love to bathe and they'll do that generally year round and having a water feature and especially if that water feature can be a little lower to the ground instead of really a tall one but uh Having that water feature, and if you can get that water moving with a bubbler or a dripper or something that creates that that movement and that sound of splashing water, oh man, they just it's it's like a magnet. Yeah. And even if they don't yeah. come to the food, a lot of times they'll come to that water. Uh, but John, I love that you you mentioned native plants and mm-hmm. berry producing plants because similarly, you know, service berries or dogwoods. I have dogwood in my yard. And yeah, it's kind of yeah. like that, just this bright mm-hmm. red mm-hmm. berry. 
and they go crazy over it. Yeah. And for the longest time, I had bluebirds in the area, but they weren't coming to my feeders, and they were hitting those berries for years before yeah. they decided to go to the yeah. other side of the house and, and visit the feeders. <laughs> so I should have done what you did and take a clipping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, having water out there is has always been huge. It doesn't matter what food I'm putting out. Uh, pretty much, if they're in the yard, they're hitting they're hitting that water source at least yeah. one time each day while they're in yeah. the yard, and and they do it year round. I keep my water feature going year round, so that's that's our secret tip. There you go. Gotta have moving water. And you know, we, we we'd be remiss uh, if you have bluebirds in your area. If you literally have bluebirds coming to your feeders, then you know what? You really should consider putting up some nesting boxes. And, and get yes. them back. you know we talked a little bit earlier the, the the bluebird numbers were really in major major decline uh, throughout most of, of uh, you know the, the last century if you will um, up until about the mid 60s uh, their numbers had really crashed and about the mid pretty 60s, scary low numbers yeah mid 60s people kind of caught on and then started doing the nesting box trails and, and installing nesting boxes. And, and this is kind of across mountain bluebirds and, and you know, western bluebirds, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, their numbers have been, you know, on the way back uh, ever since the mid-60s. It's a couple of percent per year, I think, is the increase in bluebirds that we've seen. I haven't seen recent numbers. I would speculate that it's possibly even more than that now uh, because they do seem to have really adapted to suburban, quasi-urban locations. Uh, so you know if you if you want to help out with that and to keep that keep that progress going, uh, consider you know, putting out some kind of a nesting box. Uh, again, would there's a whole we could do a whole program and have done mm-hmm. a whole program, which we'll <laughs> yes, put in we the have. show notes uh, in regards to what kind of box and where to put it and some of those things in regards to maintaining it and monitoring it. But uh, it does open up a whole new realm <laughs> when, when you've got nesting bluebirds. Uh, that's a whole different story uh, in your backyard, and it's so much fun to watch their activity going. You know, especially when they're feeding the young back and oh, forth yeah. and back and forth and back and forth. It's yeah, definitely worth the effort. Oh, for sure. Talk about enchanting and falling in love with with a bird. <laughs> it's just, it is. It's a blast. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. And John, you're right. We have talked about nesting in a few episodes, and like you said, I will have links in the show notes um, mm-hmm. for episode 49. Nesting a bird's eye view, as well as episodes five and six, nesting part one and two. So we go. cover lots of specifics about being a great landlord for these birds and having good quality boxes that are going to help your birds be as successful as possible to raise a family in your yard. And you get to enjoy being part of that. So yeah. really fun. Yeah, very neat. Very neat. All right, Brian, any other little tips and tricks for anybody or any other little uh, fun facts on bluebirds that we wanted to share today? Or yeah, You know, you there's, I think there's one more thing that I always really enjoy watching my bluebirds. Um, they kind of do uh, a drop hunt scenario. Yeah. Watching them in my yard and you see them perched somewhere and they're kind of off on their own sometimes on this high perch. And then all of a sudden they drop down into the grass and grab something. And they are finding tiny little caterpillars in my yard. And they are able to see those things. Think about a one-inch caterpillar that they can see in the grass. Mm-hmm. Green caterpillar in the green grass. 
50 yards away. Yeah. That yeah. just blows my mind. Just yeah. the ability that bluebirds have and just just another little fun fact of man how cool is that yeah yeah they are fascinating birds and again you know i i think we've made the case about them kind of being in a class of their own in regards to the relationship they've had with with people uh mm-hmm. they're just just one of the most endearing birds around uh, whether it be a mountain bluebird or western bluebird or eastern bluebird it's it's uh it's just a very, very special treat, and and you know you you want you want one of the biggest payoffs in your yard for backyard bird feeding. It's having bluebirds coming to your yard on a regular basis. That absolutely is one of the best things ever. So that yeah. is for sure. Yeah. Well, I appreciate everyone joining us today as we talk about bluebirds, your backyard buddies. So please rate and review us, everyone. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Absolutely, we'd love to. And every time we get one of those reviews, we we just get the biggest kick and it keeps us inspired to to move on and do more of these uh, podcasts. So thank you all for for sending those in and and keep keep them coming. So until uh, next time, and we are going to take another one of those special class birds because I probably the next highest, you know, affinity for, for backyard birds is hummingbirds everybody Mm -hmm. loves hummingbirds so we're going to do our fan favorite of hummingbirds we're going to talk about hooray for for hummingbirds so until that time brian and i are going to continue to let nature be our guide so please take care be safe and keep those feeders clean thanks for joining us everyone to subscribe to the podcast for show notes or to find the wild birds unlimited store near you visit wbu.com slash podcast. And we really appreciate you telling your friends about Nature Centered. But until next time, we hope you find a moment every day to relax and enjoy the birds.